Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. The Bible says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered and said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But the one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. Let's pray. God, as we embark on this new year, we know that 2017 is going to be as busy or busier than 2016. And Lord, we don't want to lose focus of what's most important. So in all of our doing and all of our getting and all of our achieving, we pray today that we would be reminded that you must remain the center of our lives. May our love not grow cold. May our hearts not faint. May we not grow lukewarm in our faith. We want you to be center of our lives. That's our aim this year and always. So help us to be reminded of that truth, the importance of it today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, can you believe it's 2017? The end of one year and the ringing in of the new marks a, a great time to evaluate the past 12 months and to set goals and ambitions for the next 12 and, and I am somebody who is all for New Year's resolutions. How many have made some resolutions this year? Nobody. We have an ambitious church. You know, I, I think it's great to set goals and, and objectives, but um, I, I just hope those goals and objectives don't come at, at the expense of the things that are most important. I, I, I have trouble keeping my resolutions at times. I, I love what one man said. He said, my New, Year, New Year's resolution is to break my New Year's resolutions. That way I at least succeed at something. There are many type of resolutions that people make. There are people who make health and fitness resolutions. Anybody on a health journey this year? Those are good goals to have. We, we want to lose weight or we want to eat a little bit better. And, you know, it, going to the gym is most frustrating. If you go regularly, it's most frustrating in January because it gets real busy. But it's all right. You just be patient. By the end of January, beginning of February, it kind of dies off again. There are people who make marriage and family resolutions. I'm going to be a mother, better father or husband or mother or wife. Those are good resolutions. There are many people who make career resolutions. I, they, they aim to, to, to achieve certain work goals or maybe to get a promotion this year. There's financial goals and ambitions that are made at the beginning of a year. I'm going to stop using credit cards. I hope if you're using them, that's one of your ambitions for this year. I'm going to pay off debt this year. I'm going to give more this year. I'm going to be more generous this year. These are all great resolutions, but 
in all of our striving, we must not neglect the main aim of the Christian life, and that is communion with God. For the weeks leading up to Christmas, we looked in depth at the meaning of Christmas, the good news that Jesus came to earth to be God with us. And we celebrated this glorious truth that, that this is an incredible invitation for us to be near to God. God has made a way for us to be near to Him. So for, for 2017, my hope for each of us is that we would capitalize on that invitation to draw near to Him. It's amazing to me the people who, who don't capitalize on that. They say, well, I just don't have time to, to read my Bible like I need to. I don't have time to pray like I need to. I don't have the, the time to attend church like I should. Are you kidding me? Drop everything else if you have to, but make him a priority. This is the, the, the God of the universe who's inviting you to commune with him. I don't know about you, but I can think of nothing of greater importance. For this to be a reality, see, we must guard from being distracted with the busyness of life. There are many people, how many know this, and hobbies and and careers and so on and so forth that are vying for your attention. They're vying for my attention. And we must guard from letting good things, hear me, nothing wrong with the things we've talked about, but we must guard against letting the good things keep us from the best thing, communion with God. So with this in mind, I want to teach on this familiar story about two sisters by the name Mary and Martha. You know, often if you're familiar with this passage, Mary and Martha are contrasted in a way that says Martha was just a worker and Mary was just a worshiper. So so this becomes like an either or scenario. Thus, the application becomes, are you going to be a Martha Or are you going to be a Mary? In other words, are you going to be a worshiper? Or are you going to be a worker? And I think this is a dangerous approach to this text. Because one could conclude that to be a a worshiper, work must be avoided at all costs. There is already enough people, there are already enough people in America today trying to get out of work. They don't need any help. Okay? So we don't want to give them the idea that to be a worshiper, you cannot be a worker. As a matter of fact, the scripture as a whole compels us to work and to work diligently. So I don't believe in any way, shape, or form that Jesus' point here is to discourage us from working and working diligently. Work is good except when it comes at the expense of worship. So I don't think this is an either-or passage. Are you with me? I believe that the text, when when put in the, the context of Luke chapter 10 in its entirety, teaches balance. We are to be workers and worshipers. But worship, don't miss this, is the priority. And I want to try to show this to you through the Scripture. So my first point, if you're taking notes, that I want to bring out is that work is pivotal. In other words, it's, it's necessary to life. The Bible teaches that if you don't work, you don't eat. So I would say work is a good thing because I like to eat. Come on, somebody. Luke 10, 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village 
And a woman named Martha welcomed him into the house. The invitation to host Jesus as he enters this village is identified here with Martha. Now, what would you do if you got a call today and said, Jesus is showing up at your house? What would you clean? What movies would you put away? Come on, I'm getting your stuff. What would you do? Well, think of how Martha felt. She's very hospitable. She cares about her guest, and she wants everything to be just perfect. Now, you must understand that in this day and age, Jewish culture placed a great deal of value on hospitality. Zondervan's Bible commentary points out that a woman's honor and reputation depended greatly on her ability to manage her household. So you see, this was a big deal. What Martha was doing would have been legitimate. She was not doing anything out of the ordinary. So the Bible here is not condemning hard work. It's not emphatically not condemning excellence. That's one of our core values here at Real Life is excellence. The Bible never condones laziness. I I love the story. I, I found this in Reader's Digest. A woman writes in and um, she's talking to her friend and she asks him, has your son decided what he wants to be when he grows up? Well, he wants to be a garbage man, the man replied. And she said, well, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's sure an unusual ambition to have at such a young age. Well, not really, he said. He thinks that garbage men work only on Tuesdays. I think that's why some people want to be in ministry. They think we only work on Sundays. Don't judge me. Throughout Scripture, see, we're compelled to work. Let me give you just a few verses here. Colossians 3.23, and there are, this list is not exhaustive by any means. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. 2 Thessalonians 3.10, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. What would that do to the welfare system? Sorry. Proverbs 13:4. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. How many know work is a good thing? When you read Luke chapter 10 as a whole, I love this. You find the threefold ministry that every Christian should be engaged in, lest you think that it's just about sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's the priority. But the Christian life is a threefold ministry. In verses 1 through 24 here in Luke chapter 10, I won't read them, you can read this later, we find that the 72 are sent out by Jesus to do kingdom work. They are encouraged to be laborers for the Lord. So every Christian, how many know this, ought to be involved in kingdom work. This is not a spectator sport. If you are a Christian, you are to be involved in kingdom work. Work That means reaching people, um, being a light into a dark world, telling people your story. It means serving the church. It means, it means being involved in kingdom work. And everybody in this place, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you ought to be a laborer. But then you find in verses 25, 37, the second ministry, and that's that we're called to be neighbors. This is the parable of the Good Samaritan. We're called to show acts of mercy. And listen, it costs you something to be merciful. It means that you have to put aside sometimes your agenda 
and you have to help somebody else. So we're to be laborers and we're to be neighbors. And then number three, we come to our text and we learn that we're to be worshipers and worship is the priority. We take time always to sit at the feet of Jesus. So every Christian is called to be a laborer, a neighbor, and a worshiper. Are you with me? So, so then if, if work is so grand, I mean, if it's such a good thing, then why does Jesus take issue with Martha and what she's doing? Well, I, I think there are at least three issues with Martha's work. Let me point these out. Number one, her work became a distraction. See, work is bad when it becomes a distraction. Verse 40 very clearly says this. Martha was distracted with much serving. She was ambitious, wasn't she? Hard worker. Though much of the work was done when Jesus arrived, she just didn't know when to quit. She was distracted by unnecessary details. Anybody just sometimes don't, you feel this way, you don't know when to quit. You, you, you go over and beyond, and sometimes that's okay, but not when it becomes a distraction to the best things in life. See, often when our devotional life isn't what it should be, it's because we are distracted with unnecessary things. We have to guard against this in our ministry. We're serious here at Real Life about excellence, and we're serious about the integrity of our ministry. And so we have what we call policies and procedures to help protect ministry and its excellence and its integrity and so we spend a lot of time in in staff meetings and talking and, and working on the business end of the church As a matter of fact today this afternoon we have about a two to three hour hour meeting that i'm so looking forward to and i love this about our church because it's necessary but we have to be careful because at times we can become so focused on the business side of church that this becomes a glorified business run for God and not a place of worship. So does that mean you throw out policies and procedures and never meet as a staff? No way. It's wise to have those things in, in place. But balance and worship must always be the priority. I, I am a perfectionist. So at times when I'm up on this front row and I see something or, or, or um, the temperature's not right, whatever it might be. I mean, I just, I have trouble just getting lost in worship because I want to fix everything. So I have to remind myself, Chris, you've prepared. Everything's probably not going to be perfect. And it's all right. Just worship Jesus. Amen? Warren Worsby said this. He says, few things are as damaging to the Christian life as trying to work for Christ without taking time to commune with Christ. That's a big deal today. I think that's the problem with a lot of Christians. They're always working for God and, 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 and working and working and working, but they never take time to just sit and be with God. And here's a second. This leads us to the second issue with Martha's work. Her work was causing burnout and frustration. Has anybody ever been here? Is anybody there this, this morning? The second part of verse 40 says, She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. She's throwing her sister under the bus. Kind of sister is Martha. She's frustrated. You can hear this kind of sarcasm and, and if we're honest, a little bit of crazy. Right? You, you hear this? Uh, Martha's got a little bit of crazy in her. 
And, and, and you hear this kind of sass in her voice, and she's talking to Jesus. Lord, do you not care that I'm in here by myself and my sister's goofing off in there, sitting at your feet? Tell her to get up. Her, her lazy rear end and tell her to come and help me. Lord, do you not see all that I'm doing? She's burnt out. You hear the frustration. You can read into this, can't you, in this passage. How many of you, in all honesty, have a little bit of crazy come out when you're hosting a holiday party or some kind of dinner gathering? Come on, be honest. How many just have a little bit of crazy that comes to the top? See, growing up, I never understood why my dad would always take me and my brother out for several hours leading up to the holiday gathering in our home. But I figured it out as I got a little older and a little wiser. My mom's a perfectionist. And in cooking and cleaning, she wants everything to be just so, so. <laughs> just to be honest, and she's going to listen to this. Mom, I'm, I'm, I apologize for this. But just a little bit of crazy shines in those hours leading up to the holiday. And then I got married. My wife wants things well. And it's like I, I cause more trouble if I'm there than, than, than more help. And so I, I realized that in those hours leading up to the dinner, like I can identify with Martha because some of us get a little bit crazy when that happens. Are you with me? And so it can get a little tense in the house. So what I do is I just slip a Xanax in Nikki's water when we have a... I'm just joking. Can't we relate to this? We work hard, so hard on the details, in fact, that we fail to rest and commune with Jesus. We get tired and we get frustrated and we get a little crazy. And we lash out, don't we, at the people who are closest to us. Isn't that interesting? We're, we're working. We're say we're trying to make something nice for them. Well, well, you know, the reason I work so many hours, you, you know, is because I'm trying to provide for my family. I want them to have nice things. And then we come home because we're overworked and underrested, and we're grouchy, and we're mean, and nobody wants to be around us. That's not healthy. That's an issue with Martha's work. And thirdly, there's another issue. I believe her work was being done out of wrong motives. How many know you can do the right thing for the wrong reason? Verse 41 says, But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you're anxious, don't miss this, and troubled about many things. See, certainly Martha cared about Jesus. There's no doubt about that. She wanted everything to be perfect for him. But love does not seem, if you look, to be the driving factor behind this. What's driving her? What's motivating her? It's anxiety. Now, we don't know exactly what she was anxious about, but we could perhaps speculate. Could it be that she, like many of us, wanted to impress Jesus? Jesus, look at me. Look what I'm doing. When you went to so-and-so's house, I bet they didn't bake this dish for you. I bet her house wasn't as clean as mine. Could it be that, that, that Martha was somehow trying to gain favor with the Lord, but instead she's just frustrated because she's doing things that the Lord did not ask her to do? This is a common issue today. Christians work themselves half to death. They're adding things to their life that God never asked them to add. And in the back of their minds, they may not admit that, but, but subconsciously, somewhere deep down, they think this is earning me brownie points with God. 
We would never say, because we, we say all the time, nothing I could ever do would make me love him more or him love me more or love me less. Yet, we work ourselves to death to try to impress him when he's just asking us to do what Mary did and sit at his feet. If we're not careful, we'll end up like Martha. Don't miss this. We'll be busy, but not blessed. This is difficult in ministry to guard from. Because I often, my, my job and, and, and demands that I study many, many, many hours every week. And sometimes I have this tendency to want to take my sermon prep and try to count that as communion with God. And then I realize I'm frustrated because I'm, I'm doing a lot of work for the Lord, for the ministry. But I'm not taking time to commune with the Lord. You know, I, I'm just getting over. You can still hear it in my voice, a little bit of sickness. And sometimes I think the Lord allows that to come upon me because that's the only time I will slow down enough and do really what I need to do because I love to work. So we've got to guard from this tendency to overdo it and to where it causes burnout and frustration. Don't do more than the Lord has asked you to do. So here's what I want you to see. Work is pivotal. It's a part of life. The Bible calls us indeed to work, but, but we must guard from letting that work become a distraction. We must guard from letting it become a, a frustration or causing burnout. We must guard from working because of anxiety, wanting to impress God or wanting to impress people. Sometimes we work extra hours to buy things that we don't need to impress people that we don't even like. We get in debt. Are you with me? We need to cut it out and just be who God has called us to be and quit trying to impress somebody. So with that in mind, let's look quickly at the second truth that not only is work pivotal, but secondly, worship is a priority. Worship is priority. Go with me to verse 41. The Lord answered, says, Martha, Martha, when he says your name twice, you better listen. You're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. See, Mary demonstrated something that we all need. Don't miss this. Balance. We all need balance. We, we, we try to pick and choose going back to the beginning of this where it's an either-or scenario. Well, you know what? We've got some worshipers at church, but I'm a worker. Or we've got some workers at church, but I'm just a worshiper. We're both called to be workers and worshipers. It's likely that, that Mary had done her share of the work. Most commentators believe that, that Mary had done her part before sitting down at the feet of Jesus. The Bible never portrays her as a lazy or apathetic person. But here's what I love about Mary. She uses wisdom in that she knew when to quit. And friends, we need to learn when to quit. The, the priority of life, see, is sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's communing with Him. It's loving Him. It's knowing Him. Well, how does this come? It comes through prayer. The most underused commodity that we have. You get to talk. You get to converse. You get to petition. You get to make requests. You get to worship our God. It's incredible, and we don't take advantage of it. 
It comes through Bible study, this communion with God. The Bible is filled. It's, it's God's word. It's God breathed. It's him speaking to you. This is incredible. It comes through corporate worship. It comes through church attendance. Don't follow the, the standard of our culture who says, oh, yeah, I go to church once a month, twice a month, and I've, I've done my religious duty. That's the norm today. But the Bible says don't do it. As the day approaches, he said, don't forsake yourself. The, the assembling together. Don't forsake the assembling together. We must come together like this. It must be a priority. So Mary capitalized on this invitation to draw near to Jesus. And she was blessed for it. And here's what I, I love about this. She did something that we would do well to learn. She knew when to say no. Think about this. Her sister is throwing her under the bus in front of Jesus. Mary runs the risk of looking lazy. But here's what she says. No. Martha, I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to stay right here. She knew when to say no. See, our problem is, is that we let other people dictate our schedules. We let other people decide what we're going to do. See, don't let other people distract you from the best things in life. Let me just relieve some people today. Let me free some people today with these words. It's okay to say this. No, boss, I can't work 80 hours this week. I have a family. I got a church. No, family, I can't attend a party on Sunday morning. Because it's the Lord's day. Any other day of the week, I'll be there, but this is the Lord's day. You want to come to my house? You want to spend the night with me? On You, you, you want to travel? That's fine. You don't even have to go to, but I want you to know, Sunday's the Lord's day. I'm going. You're not going to be a distraction. No. I can't do this task at this time for you. This is my prayer time. See, work is good, but never Ever at the expense of worship. Know when to say no. It's powerful. I heard a story years ago about two brothers who drove their brand new Mercedes Benz to a nearby bridge, their city, pulled right up to the rail, got out, stood on top of it, tied nooses around their neck, their necks, attached them to the bridge and jumped off that brand new shiny Mercedes Benz. When they were found hours later, lifeless, there were pins that were attached to them with, with a note that read like this, Dear Mom and Dad, you've given us everything we could have ever wanted but nothing that we needed. Don't let the good things keep you from the best things. I was a youth pastor for many years, and the biggest issues with work came because mom and dad just weren't ever home. They are raised by the television, 
Don't let SpongeBob SquarePants raise your kids. They won't turn out right. Come on, somebody. You're frustrated, and, and parents would say, oh, but, but look what nice clothes he has. Look, look she, she got a car when she was 16. And I'm not saying our kids don't enjoy nice things, but I promise you this. I've been in a, a youth pastor. I know teenagers. You know what they want more than anything? I hear the cry of their heart. I know they talk about stuff all the time, but you, they will, they'll never admit it. But I'm going to let you in on this secret. Mom and Dad, they want you. And often, working's good. But not at the expense of the best things. Don't overdo it. And what about our, the most important thing? What about our relationship with Jesus? Year after year, going, yeah, this week, this year's going to be better. I'm going to make time for him. And then life happens. I, I love what Jesus says in verse 42. He says, what Mary has chosen, she's chosen the good portion, which will never be taken from her. Guys, we spend so much of our time pouring into things that will only last for this short lifetime. When we could be investing in things that will last for an eternity. But Jesus says, listen, Martha, the things you're doing, your house is going to be dirty again. How many know if, if you just spend a, uh, like if you have company over, I, I hate this because I like my house to be clean. We spend all day cleaning and it's perfect, pristine. And then five minutes after everybody's been there, kids running through the house and food smeared everywhere and crumbs everywhere and people tracking stuff in. It's like, why did we even bother? So I think Jesus saying, Martha, this stuff, it's not that it's bad. It's just not necessary. What Mary has chosen just to sit down and to listen and to, and to push aside the hustle and the bustle of life and just to sit down at my feet, what she's learned right now, what she's doing, this is going to pay eternal rewards. It's never going to be taken. So my plea with you today in closing is, is that in 2017, I pray that your life would be infused with time with Jesus. I, I, listen, I'm not beating you down today because this is something I struggle with. I'm a pastor. I get it. I know there's lots of things that are vying for our time and attention. Just make him a priority. Make him a priority. Spend time daily with him. And if it means cutting out some good things, it's all right to make way for the best thing.